Welcome to Nerds of the Realm Table, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Dwayne. I'm Jamie. Now I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we have got one of my famous picks. 2004, Antoine Fuqua got together with a group of great actors and made a good movie. Some of us <laughs> King Arthur, taken from the classic semi-sort of historical things, and there's little disclaimers at the beginning of how possibly historic this is. Uh, I think maybe a little stretched, but uh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> I prefer the Guy Ritchie style. Let's not even pretend. <laughs> Let's just make a fun movie. Yeah, just make a fun movie. Decisions were made. Decisions were definitely made. Lots of decisions were made. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I say we move on into some decisions that we've made the last little bit and move to our Keeping It 100 section. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. Okay, and as I bring my timer up here, I'm going to start. <clears throat> Guys, we're in the dark time. Dune has left theaters and HBO Max. It's not been released on video yet. Not come back to streaming yet. So to get my Dune fix, I've done a little bit of searching. I've heard a lot about a documentary about a version of Dune that was trying to have been made in the mid-70s by Alejandro Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky's Dune is available on Amazon Prime. It's a $3.99 rental, about a $13, $14 purchase. It's well, well worth it. If you look up Insanity in the dictionary, Alejandro's picture is right there. This guy has a five-inch book of artwork, animatics, story points, uh, of this movie and it has apparently permeated all of pop culture and a lot of the science fiction movies that we see but the journey that he took and the vision that he you know as the documentary was made i think 2014 he was 84 years old he still had the vision to get this movie made um, i'm not even going to get into the castings and any of the other things uh that the uh, that is talked about in this because the reveals are so interesting and, and fun, but Jodorowsky's Dune on Amazon prime, do yourselves a favor and go check it out. All right. Definitely be interested in looking into that. I've heard nothing but good things about that. And there it's, it's accurate. You can take that to the bank. Hmm. So it'd be an interesting uh, third comparison of how do we do this story, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that was that was the thing. You know, after after watching, you know, growing up with the you know David Lynch version, you know, and and seeing uh, the Villeneuve version, and you know, like I said, being in this dark time, I was like, well, let's let's go look and see what what the dune is you know and compared to the book you know he's he he has very specific ideas of what dune is <laughs> all right all right gentlemen so i am up next i'm going to go and start my timer um 
you know, my keep it on hundred this week is somewhat tangential to what we're discussing tonight. Um, you know, this week's Keeping 100 is the novel Doctor Who, The Legends of Camelot. Uh, this is by Jacqueline Rayner and basically brings the Knights of the Round Table into the scope of the Doctor. So um, our Doctor in this one, of course, is Tenet's Tenth Doctor, uh, along with companion Donna Noble. And they're placed in the middle of this big power struggle, essentially, between these two omnipotent beings – Obviously, Arthur Pendragon and Morgan Le Fay, um, which is missing in this movie. So I don't know where she would have fit. Uh, but we do get the whole cast of Arthurian characters, um, as, lo- as well as information weaved in from the Tenet years, uh, even nods to classic Who with Sylvester McCoy's Seventh Doctor story, Battlefield. So there's lots of good stuff in here. Um I love the kind of combination of classic literature with the Doctor Who world. I'm actually reading the next book in the series called The Wonderful Doctor of Oz at the moment. And later in 2022, we get the return of Robin Hood. So I'm very interested to see where this goes. But for this week, Doctor Who Legends of Camelot makes my keeping it 100. Yeah, I got a big kick out of the Capaldi running with Robin Hood. So Yes. The Robot of Sherwood, if I remember correctly, the title on that one. (laughs) It was a good time. Yes. All right, well, I'm up next, and I'm pitching an entire service slash app. Um, The Weekly Shonen Jump app. Um, It is a... More more than any single person could manage amount of manga to read in a single app. It is basically everything that has ever been pu- published in the Shonen Jump. It's in an app that can be downloaded, unfortunately, only for Apple uh, devices at the moment. It's only in the iOS store. It's not available on Google Play, not on Android, anything. But it's got a ton of stuff on it. The first thing I really got into on there was, I've already pitched it on here as a Keeping 100, uh, was All You Need Is Kill, uh, the manga The Edge of Tomorrow was based on. Um, it's a fun series to read. It's di- it's it's similar enough that you see how the movie became the movie it was, but it's different enough that it's really interesting. Um, I'm about 130 issues into uh, My Hero Academia at the moment. <laughs> Only like 200 more to go or something. <laughs> Only. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff on there, and it's it's, it's such a diverse um, publication that there's like something for everybody on there. And here's the here's the really cool thing about it. It's a dollar ninety nine per month. Um, I mean, you can't buy Diet Coke for that now. So, I mean, if you just if you ever had any interest in reading some manga, exposing yourself to a different kind of comic reading, or just a or a lot of what a, where a lot of movies come from now, I highly recommend the Weekly Weekly Shonen Jump app. Hmm. Cool. Does it proceed? Um, <clears throat> Right to left. It is backwards, app. yeah. Okay. Because I know that was a thing with the books that I had to get used to. Uh, yeah. A couple of videos yeah. I went into that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, if, did they do the panel the panel view or – okay. Nope. See, that, that's what I was wondering about because, you know, on most of the comic apps, the panel view kind of goes similar to that that left or right even as it progresses. So I could, I could see it coming in from the opposite side for some reason. <laughs> 
I don't know what it is, but something about manga, they don't want you to read that way. Because even on the Comixology app, most manga, they won't, they'll, they disable guided view yeah. for, for manga. I, I'm not sure why, but. So it's full page view. Yeah. O- only. Yeah. And, and the manga I've been exposed to, it's almost like the, the, there's not a linear path all the time. I, it's different. I mean, I, yeah. I'm I'm still I'm I'm a complete noob. I mean, I'm still I've literally read like four, you know, dipped my toes into like four different series. Yeah, <laughs> so far from right. an expert. Well, but, that's three three more than I've ventured into. But yeah, <laughs> the, the one the ones that I have done, you know, it's it's not always linear. You know, it's, it'll kind of blend a little bit from panel to panel. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and there's like there's some really creative storytelling going on, and it's it's interesting, like because on like a on Rob observations, like when Lifehouse was talking about like his how much he was inspired by manga, and I thought about '90s comics. I'm like, dude, all of you guys were reading tons of manga. I get it. Mm-hmm. I see how this happened. Okay, cool. I think the only bit I've ever read there's a three volume series that reprints the Batman manga stuff from the '60s, and I've read those. Oh so. wow. <laughs> I've read, I think, 28 volumes of Lone Wolf and Cub, which is one of the greatest series ever written uh, in any language, in, in anything that's ever had panels. I mean, it's it's genius. And I'm, my academia isn't at the same level as that, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, it, and it's a fun, like a, like a Japanese take on superheroes. It's fun, like, seeing, like, the different angle and the different, like, the ways that, that a different culture plays with the same ideas. It's, it's interesting. Cool. cool. And only a buck ninety nine. Cool. Well, speaking about playing with ideas, uh, we're looking at a movie who played with uh, some definite ideas of the Arthurian legend, uh, taken from myth, taken from history, blended all together, and slapped down on the big screen. So, Sammy, why don't you lead off with your opening thoughts and grades? All right. You know, the story of, of, of Arthur really has been fertile ground for authors and movie makers for a really long time. Uh, going back to the 80s, I remember watching Excalibur. Uh, I've not watched the Charlie Hunnam remake at this point, but that's on my list of things to do very soon. Um, I've even seen Camelot the musical. Uh, and then, of course, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. But, you know, so, I mean, you, you get King Arthur in all of these things. Um, and, you know, Dwayne kind of talked about at the beginning how it kind of talked about that idea that a lot of these legends are based on historical fact. So that little caveat kind of pushes us into, a, I think, a different area or a different realm with this story. So we get a very interesting perspective. Um, I'm not going to go too much further into it because um, – you know, just because, like I said, we've got sections for some of those. So I'm going <laughs> to leave it at B minus for my grade. Uh, and I'm interested to see where you guys go, since I know you fellas have debated this movie for a very, very long time. Long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is one of those hills I will down. <laughs> and I thank Jamie, too. <laughs> Ranger Shield, brother. Here we go. It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'm in the middle of no man's land. Like, hey! <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Dwayne and I have been friends for over a decade now. And I think the first movie, and we, we always talked movies. That was like the first thing we bonded over. 
And the, I think the very first one we disagreed on was this movie. Because um, we have very similar tastes, except when they diverge. And when they diverge, it's intense. And this is one of those. <laughs> and I should have been an easy mark for this movie. I like Antoine Fuqua. Every movie I've seen by him, I'm really scared saying his name. I hope I got it right there. Um, but I, every movie I've seen by him, with one exception, I really, really like. Even his Magnificent Seven movie that apparently only I like. I really like that movie. I love the cast. Uh, I'm a Clive Owen fan. I love Keira Knightley. And this is a great cast. Um, but I don't like this movie. Um, I, I'm an Arthurian fanboy from, from a s- small child. I've, I've loved Arthurian tales. Mm-hmm. I should have been an easy mark for this movie. But in 2004, I saw this movie. And I think, if I remember right, we were living in Louisville. I went to a dollar theater to see it. And I left angry. <laughs> I did not. It only cost a dollar. And I left angry. Demanding wow. your money back. <laughs> and so, did you buy popcorn? I, what's that? Did you buy popcorn? <laughs> Just throw it at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> we were pretty broke at the time. I probably didn't buy popcorn. <laughs> but I mean, but it's been, I obviously haven't watched it since. I left so angry. Um, so I was actually a little curious. Was I, was I being unfair? Was it, was it some kind of Arthurian snob? And so I was like, you know, I'll give it a fair shot. I was about 15 minutes in this movie. I'm like, I'm taking that back. I was about five minutes. I'm like, nope, I remember why I hate this movie. I still hate this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like it in 2004, and I still don't like this movie. If anything, my dislike has grown. Um, I've got plenty of fans for the pan section, so I'm going to unpack a little bit here. I mean, it's pretentious. This is a pretentious movie. It's long. It's poorly paced. It's aggressively unhistorical. It's ham-fisted. It is a waste of a great cast and a great director. I don't know how this much talent went this sideways. This is a D movie. And I, there's no way. It would have to be a review to make me watch again for me ever to watch this movie again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you're not wrong with the pretentiousness of the movie. And the, the, the pacing is definitely awkward. It does, you know, tend to linger on points, um, <clears throat> but but I I feel like this movie that they almost tried to make a classic, um, you know, forties or fifties movie. Uh, the the acting is kind of I feel in that in that way, uh, sort of overacted a little bit too dramatic, and you know I I don't know if they were trying to make those tales of old. You know, that's that's just kind of how I how I look at it. But with the modern, you know, sensibility and style, um, I love the design of this movie. I love, you know, how they develop the woads, uh, the the knights, how they each have their own armor and things. How each actor brings their own character to their character. You know, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. I mean, even Hugh Dancy. You know, uh, just just kind of Downton Abbey-ish actor um, in this action movie. He's, he's like one of these guys that's out of place, but he fits. You know, Joel Edgerton, how cool. Um, I, I really enjoy this movie. I think, <clears throat> you know, it, 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 it is over the top at times. It's a bit weird, but uh, it's it's not perfect, but I do love it. It's it, To me, it's an A. It's a solid A. <laughs> It's not a plus. It's just not. It's it's a solid day. I, I revisit this movie probably a couple times a year. 
Wow. It's, it's there. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you before we go any deeper, uh, I, I've got the director's cut on, on the shelf and I, and I didn't see this in theaters and the movie we watched on Hulu, uh, with you guys, it, it was not the director's cut. The director's cut has a few more scenes with the Saxon, um, dad and son there's there's a little bit more dynamic there with those two um if i'm not mistaken there's not the flashback with arthur pulling the sword from his father's grave in this cut it's in the director's cut you know there's a few more things in there like that and i think it really helps the movie and especially you know you're fleshing out the saxons a little bit more and and that relationships I don't need more of this movie. I, I won't see, make you. I won't make you watch the director's cut, but I will, I'll just leave it at that. See, I told you, I'm standing right in the middle of the field while you two are slinging <laughs> arrows from your trenches on both sides. My B minus is almost right in the middle of an A and a D. Yeah. So. And I suspect you're actually the one who's right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably Sam's probably the more accurate uh, of us, you know, because I'm coming at this with a lot of love and you're coming at this with a lot of disdain. So <laughs> as as we bloody Sammy with our crossfire, let's move on into our fan section. Jamie, do you have a fan? I do. Um, <laughs> there is. It, it's not long, um, but the there. Like I said, there is a lot of talent brought to this movie, and one of them is a person. I should have looked up their names, um, but it's the, the sets in the wardrobe department. Um, it's awesome in this movie, except for Joel Edgerton's hair. I, I had problems with his hair. It was incredibly distracting. Um, but like all the wardrobe looks really great. Um, the, like the regular clothes the knights are wearing, like the normal sort of like, you know, out and about where I don't, I don't know what, I'm not sure what you call that and whatever version of England this is, but like, but when they, but like when they have the their normal battle, wear. yeah, the, <laughs> <laughs> well, the formal attire at the end is my favorite, <laughs> but like their normal sort of adventuring gear, it looks really cool. It looks functional. And when they get really the full on knightly gear at the end. It looks like, yep, yeah, that is something that Romans would put on this elite cavalry unit. You know, it looks really cool. Um, the sets, I mean, there's a few I mean, little places a little bit bare that they didn't fully decorate, I think, the way they could have. But, like, most of the sets look really good. Like, when when the, the bishop rolls in to uh, where Arthur and his knights live, that's a really cool set when they show Arthur's quarters. I mean, that looks like something that would be period, you know, appropriate-ish. The sets and wardrobe are really good in this movie. Uh, even like I, I thought the Wodes sort of apparel was 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 interesting. I have no idea if that's really what they wore, but it was interesting to look at. You know, like this this is a, you can tell that this, this is a different tribe. It's a different group of people from the Saxons and the Britons and the Romans. I, I thought it was really cool how the, way they set apart the different groups. I, was, I thought the sets yeah. of were very good. In this movie. Yeah. And they painted themselves blue. That was really yeah. Yeah, I thought the Celts did that, but but. Because I don't even know what a woad is, so yeah, I mean it's it's yeah, it's basically that yeah, yeah. It's that it's that people group yeah, it's a different name. 
All right, Dwayne, I'm done. That's all. I, <laughs> I just, I just see if there was anything else. Well, I just thought it was a shame that that nobody. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that could mean Keanu's role. Well, we found he plays we, the MCU. We found the Keanu connection. <laughs> all righty. Well. My fan, uh, we've already touched on it, is the cast. You know, from Till Schwiger, Dylan Skarsgård, Ray Winstrom, Ray Stevens, Hugh Dancy, Joel Edgerton, Mads Mikkelsen, Ian Griffin, Kira Knightley, Clive Owen. My gosh, how could you go wrong with this cast? You know, you give these guys something to do. I mean, what a group of knights to have at your disposal. Um, I don't, I don't think they could have cast this more perfectly. Um, and the way that the characters were developed, you know, like I mentioned earlier, each one of them had their own fighting style. You know, Ray Stevenson is just a tank. You know, he's, he's, he's the tank of the group. Uh, you know, Ian Grifford is Lancelot with the two swords, you know, just stylistically slashing through. It's beautiful. Um, just yeah, just a cast blows me away every time. I can't I can't say enough about it. So I'm and to keep from stumbling over myself trying to articulate. I'm just going to give it hand it over to Sam. All right. You know what I love about this? Once again, I feel as though I'm standing in the middle because I'm taking a little bit of both of what you all said for my fan. Um, I am a sucker for a, you know, quote unquote, Band of Brothers type of setting in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and these nights felt like they had seen some things. They have been through things together. They have that that um, that that brotherly type of situation that that we see for people who serve together. Um and I just I love that aspect of their personalities and their characters, and as they bring that in. But then when they talk, Jamie was talking about the, the the dress armor, when they have that full dress armor, and you see how different each is, yeah. you realize, you know, considering how large the the breadth of the Roman Empire, each of these guys were really from a different part of the empire. Mm-hmm. They're from a different culture, a different background. That's why their swords look different. Their style of fight is different because it's all back to their culture. And historically, even though some of this is not anywhere close historically, um, that at least does lend itself well that they are trying to show that the Roman Empire was a large, vast, you know, empire. And all of these people in their in their servitude or in their you know indentured you know service to the military, so to speak, um, is, is from a different area. And I think it shows through that costuming. But it, like I said, I just I love that that camarader- the camaraderie between the characters because to me that's what makes the Knights of the Round Table interesting. Anyway, is, is how they're set up together. Exactly. Well, Arthur's quest, you know, for free will and individuality, you know, he allowed them each to main to, you know, to Bishop asked, you know, have, have they converted? He said, I've never questioned their faith. He, and no. you know, he, he let them even maintain their identity as a culture uh, to enrich, you know, what he could provide as a service to Britain. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sneak a pan in. 
I don't have room for this in the pan section. <laughs> this movie's very inconsistent about stuff like that because there are points in this movie where it says that all of those guys are Sarmatians. Right. That, that they're all from the same tribe. But there's other places in the movie where it implies, like you said, they're from all different parts of the empire. Mm-hmm. It's very inconsistent about that. To me, their their armor and, – and the thing is, though, there is no representation because based on the armor, they should have been different cultures. And the way they're all portrayed. They're yeah. portrayed very differently. Yes, very yeah. much so. Yeah, and different accents. They don't even try to have, make them sound alike. But now the Sarmation, if I'm not mistaken, this was part of like the Russian step people, correct? That, you know – the horsemen all across those steps. I mean, how different would each would each tribe and community be? It's, it's my understanding that Sarmatians were actually Iranian nomads that were driven oh, really? north. They were Iran- actually driven north. Okay. And the, at the time they were conquered by the Romans, they were living in Eastern Europe. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I could be wrong about that. But. Hmm. Well, that would be an interesting blending of cultures there as well. You know, I think that's why they had that made uh, Mads Mikkelsen's wardrobe the way it was. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Him especially definitely yeah. kind of stands out in in terms of that because because even wasn't from like the original stories wasn't Lancelot French or something to that effect? He was from France. Depends on which one you read. Yeah. So okay. So what we're saying is the only thing they got true in this, the Saxons, the Romans, and, and the Britons were fighting for the land. <laughs> yep. Yep, the Romans were leaving. Yep. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Jamie's already dropped his pan, so let's just go I ahead. And, pan. Let's just go ahead and get to, <laughs> to the pan section here. Okay, I'm going to lead off with this. And really, my pan is, you know, if if this is an Arthurian origin story, uh, you know, <clears throat> him forming his his bond with with Guinevere and Merlin and the Britons and Wodes, uh, his knights becoming independent of Rome and an actual British thing, and all of the best knights died. You know, all of the key players in the story, you know, Lancelot, Tristan, you know, they they, they died pretty quickly here. And uh, really the, the story, the triangle there with uh, with Lancelot, uh, Guinevere, and Arthur, I mean, it's such a strong part of the Arthurian legend. It's really difficult to see this carrying on in that same vein without that. So that's my pen. They... Yeah, they really crippled themselves for any future, I mean, not necessarily even future movies, but any future lore about this. Well, I guess the, the bards continued the tales of their their time together, right? And and I'm just going to jump in. Um, something about that confused me, because if Lancelot's dead, why is he doing the framing narrative? Because he's the narrator. Yeah. He's narrate, He narrates the end of the movie after his character is dead. How weird is that? <laughs> It was it was the horse he came back as. Yes, it was, it was. It, was a, it was a talking horse, of course. It was it was Mr. Ed. Horse. Yes. <laughs> it's the famous Mr. Lancelot. <laughs> now I thought that was Lancelot Link, who was the champ. <laughs> All right, so hey. watch your face. All right. Um 
it's a somewhat nitpicky, you know, because I, I don't feel like I can compare it to other tales of Arthur and the Round Table. I really don't feel I can because it doesn't have the beats that I'm used to seeing. So I think my biggest thing is with the way this story is told, I think the title doesn't fit. If this is an origin of the king, why is the movie King Arthur? We don't even get a somewhat coronation to the main end. So should this just be an Arthur or Arthur origin of a king, something, I think King Arthur is misleading. Rise of the round table. Yeah. Yeah. I just think just the think it's a little, yeah, yeah, it's just a little misleading to call it King Arthur when, like I said, it's the last scene essentially before there's any coronation. So. I mean, what this movie really is is Gladiator 2, Arthurian Boogaloo. I mean, <laughs> they just wanted to make a Gladiator movie. This is the once and future middle-aged king. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean that, 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 the, the stink of Gladiator desperation is just pouring off this movie. Yep. And, you know, I, you, you don't think about how close they were to together you know to influence themselves and you know even even along with the lord of the rings you know it's just wrapping up at this time um, you know pirates of the caribbean's huge so you have all this epic action going on all right that was an extra pain i snuck into so here's my real pain <laughs> <laughs> killing me small you're killing me you're, you're just doing what Dwayne used to do with quotes he would just bring in quotes anytime just, he had just a- drop them in yeah <laughs> <laughs> You're just dropping pads, man. Just watch your toes. <laughs> okay. The, the 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 I think the the real fundamental problem I have with this movie is that what it actually is is a stage play with a giant budget. Um, the mm. acting in this movie would be fine in a Shakespearean play on a stage. They're not. They're not on a stage. They're making a movie, and it it does not feel like natural acting for a movie. The dialogue in this movie. I think would still be bad on stage, <laughs> but it would be more suited to a play than a movie. This is very unnatural dialogue. This is just people monologuing at each other, just interrupting each other's monologues. Um, it's unnatural. It's just spouting off philosophy and ideals at each other. And they're not really interacting. This, there's no real dialogue in this movie. It's stilted. It's overdramatic and it is stagey. And I think a lot of the reason it feels that way this movie came out in 2004. This is a very political movie and it is dealing with the politics of the day. And I think that also caused a lot of the unnatural feeling bits that I think made it, that even leaned them even further into the overdramatic staginess of this movie. Um, it just feels <laughs> like the most ex- expensive stage play ever made. And it doesn't work. And it just, it makes it feel pretentious. It makes it feel snobby and, and it, it makes it just completely not work for me. I can see that. Yeah, you're not. You're not exactly wrong. But like you said, there were acting styles made. <laughs> the decisions were made. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, they didn't get to one actor. I'm going to get to in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, there's some actors and things in this movie. We should throw some awards at. So let's go do that. Nerd alert! <laughs> All right, Sam. 
All right. Oh man, I, I tell you right, right now the, the the contention here. I just I, I, I'm like. <laughs> I throw this one, it's going to be shaved this way. If I throw this one, it's going to be shaved that way. You know, um, you know, a friend, real, really quick before we get into this, a friend of ours had, had mentioned us going to Twitch, you know, and, and various other people have said a YouTube channel. At, at this, with this review, stuff like this, I really wish we would because just to see Sam squirming <laughs> in between my <laughs> disagreements, he is bouncing in that seat like you are. <laughs> see Sam over here squirming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Commit. All right. Clive Owen for my best performance. Um, yes, it is a little stagey. Yes, it's a little preachy and over the top. Okay. But I can buy him as Arthur. I could buy him and his demeanor, the way he carries himself as Arthur. Um basically trying to balance the two sides of his nature. He is good at waging war, but he also has a philosophical side, the idea and beliefs about human rights. Um, and I can buy Clive Owen in that role. And I think that's why that stood out to me. Even though his mentor was a monk, not a bishop, in the really real world, um, it's still one of those things, right? I can still dig it. That's the tip of the iceberg of what they got wrong about Pelagius. I know. <laughs> I started doing some research just because this is a, this is a, considering I'm a huge Anglophile. This is an area of that history I've not gotten into really deep. So it's something I want to get into. So I started getting into Pelagius, and I was like, okay, that doesn't match. No, that doesn't match either. No, no okay. Not one thing. <laughs> didn't didn't he train Dorsidius? <laughs> yeah, I was going. I was going to say, you know, when they talked about Pelagius dying, I thought that's because Dark Papal Teen had killed him. <laughs> oh, those were so bad. That wrapped around to good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna jump in. I don't. I don't have a third one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm totally cheating here. This is not the right answer. I'm saving that for, um, the divide and conquer rules. Um, I'm going with Kira Knightley. Um, she's a really good actress. I've seen her in lots of stuff that I really like. Um, she's good in this movie. She's not great. Um, she's once again, <laughs> given nonsense to say <laughs> pretentiously. Um, but I, I feel like she brings some humanity to her part. Um, and she's less wooden than some of the others. So I'm going to go here and not with, with the faintest praise. I can, I can <laughs> well, she was the belle of the ball at this time. So she was, she was the go-to. So. Yep. Yeah, she was definitely uh, a hot commodity in this era. Um, I'm going to go with uh, <clears throat> the uh, opposite side of uh, Clive Owen's Arthur. I'm going to go with uh, Ian Gifford's Lancelot, uh, the narrator of the tale, the most genteel of the knights that we see uh, in here. And he's probably the the, the most close to, to Arthur as a leader uh, among them. And, and uh, his... Viewpoints shows he stands up to Arthur, uh, you know, in telling him you know what he thinks about their service to Rome and free will and and the world never existing that he wants. 
uh, his view, you know, it's being skewed by by war and servitude. Uh, I really thought he didn't well with that. Well, I just kept saying Mr. Fantastic, but it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of his Mr. Fantastic. So if I can see Mr. Fantastic get some work, I'm good to go. Yeah, I think he's a solid actor who's never found the right role. I, I think you're not far from the, from the truth right there. Yeah, he's he he's so good, but he's I don't know something is just not ever landed with him. Yeah, uh, he's been great in everything I've ever seen him in, but he's never you know blast blasted off. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's never, never quite right for the role he's in. And like, I think he's doing a, a fine, like, an okay. He's the okayest Lancelot in this movie, um, but he's he's just not right for the part. I mean, he's not the right guy. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like I'm being mean now. Um, well, can can I'm you not done. maybe think of the best scene? Uh, no, nothing really jumped out at me. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, this was the thing I had to think hardest about. I had no idea what to put down for this. Um, I will say that the final battle had its moments. Um, except for your final battle being an older Stellan Skarsgård fighting Clive Owen. I'm like, this is not an epic battle. And this is an older guy. I mean, Stellan Skarsgård's a great actor. Can't tell it from this movie. But um, that that should not be the pinnacle battle that, you know, I mean, this should be, I don't know, he, he's just not an imposing physical presence in the way that should be the final showdown for King Arthur. And so, but I mean, there was some really cool stuff there. I mean, the, 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 when they had the um, pin down and the, the knights are charging back and forth between the, the archer volleys, that was cool. I mean, there was some really cool stuff in the final battle, but it was also tinged with failure. <laughs> well, I'm going to go and say the last battle. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed, <laughs> uh, you know, just 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 how they brought the how they brought the uh, the Saxons into the wall, you know, in in like you know the three different groups. They you know the, the one group initially coming in, and you know they they just destroyed them, and they sent the one guy, you know, running out like a madman, and uh, then they brought the other guys in there and divided them with the fire, the volleys, the the knights charging back and forth. You know, the the hand to hand combat there when the roads get involved, um, I thought was really really a ton of fun. I, I was interesting. The the final battle is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty epic. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> yes, right. Wayne, oh, you are normally a man of discernment and good taste. I don't know how this sneaks past your door. <laughs> I don't understand. Dwayne, we have found your Flash Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you know, guys, yeah, I, li- I like the battle scenes and stuff like that. But I think the one scene I really love that stood out to me is the introduction of the round table. You know, that is such a crucial piece of the Arthurian tale. And I think what made that even better is, you know, the whole intro, you know, the whole kind of preface part with um, Germanus's little dude there going, but he has to sit at the head and all this stuff. And then they walk in, they open up to the round table, you know, and that idea that, you know, Arthur's philosophy for, for men to be men, they must all be equal. 
right? Nobody's at the head and the foot. Everybody's sitting an equal distance apart looking at each other. And just like I said, I love that idea of the, the round table itself. So. And it was a really great design of the table, you know, how it was, you know, a circle instead of a solid top. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, was, it was open in the middle, uh, you know, where they all could engage. It was really, I thought, a neat design. I'm glad you brought that up. I meant to highlight that in my fan section. <laughs> that is the coolest round table I've ever seen yeah. in any Arthurian movie. It is. I mean, I think they lift it too soon. I, I think it was an important moment. They, they could, they, if they, <laughs> they lingered on a lot of stuff. They should have lingered there. That was too fast. Because <laughs> there was important stuff being said there. And that was at a point where, like, the the message they're importing into this movie, like, actually fits Arthurian mm-hmm. tales. Like, it's where, it, it's where it's most appropriate. And they didn't linger there long enough. And it's just, yeah. an, it is a really cool round table. Yep. Well, you were talking about the designs and stuff in yeah. this movie. They worked. And, like I said, yeah. the design of the table worked. Yeah, we should have spent some more time there. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well, uh, best character, I'm up. <clears throat> um, I'm sure there's a right answer, one, Jamie. Yeah, there, there, there is some right answers, but I'm, I'm going to go with one that I always enjoy seeing on screen, and I just, I just love his take on on the character. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen's Tristan is just so cool to me. Uh, with the with the fa- you know with the hawk. Uh, kind of being the scout just just the cool in control and his style of fighting you know how he just just walks through and just so fluid motion i, I loved his character he's he's the snake eyes of the group <laughs> snake eyes <yeah. laughs> I, that's right. not the right answer i'm sorry <laughs> yeah i mean it's Probably not the right answer, but it's, it's my answer. I'm not going to have the right answer either. So my best character is King Serdic of Wessex, played by <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> <laughs> and how unrecognizable just, is he in that? I just, I love the fact that despite the fact that they're trying to, to portray the Saxons as like barbarians, you know, this guy isn't really a mad ruler or a zealot. He's determined. He's confident. Uh, he's confident in himself and his forces. And, and I just I just like that character. Plus, he had a cool beard. So, I mean, come on. I've got no problem with stealing, stealing that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I think he's okay in the role. I'd, my only problem with him is having it be a physical confrontation uh-huh. that is – between him and Clive Owen, um, I just can't buy it. I mean, he's a, he's a great actor. I just, I mean, uh, you know, I would. I mean, if in the Thor movies, he shouldn't be fighting Chris Hemsworth. You know, I mean, well, they made it. They made it like I said. The beard made him look more imposing. They tried. You know, they they he tried to make him look a little bigger. You know, as far as that goes. But yeah, I keep seeing the Doc and Thor also. So. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, you both missed it. It's Sir Bors. Ray Winslow, Boris, yeah. The one shining light in this movie. I was so happy with every scene he was in. He he made it worth watching. He was the only thing in this entire movie that wasn't pretentious. <laughs> he was in, he was in an entirely different movie all by himself. Yeah. The interactions between him and his wife, or his oh. his mistress, or whatever she was, were just priceless. Amazing in the movie. Your your mother's going to make me marry her now. <laughs> Who says I want you? <laughs> you 
Yeah. And I loved when faced with going, you know, beyond the wall to the north, toward the Saxons, through the roads. What does he say? Fenora's going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but he was, he he brought, this movie is so over serious and over dramatic. There's no fun in the movie except for him. He's the only fun in the movie. Yeah, he's he's definitely got some stuff going on. <laughs> and I love it. Every battle scene, his his you know screams are like front and center in the mix. Rah! <laughs> Except it makes no sense. The Sarmatians no. were not ruse. <laughs> no, <right. laughs> All right. Well, speaking of ruse and, and Ray Winstone's <laughs> cries, there, Sam, do you have a best quote for us? Um, I went with one of the pretentious Arthur ones. So, uh, <laughs> and you know, I, I I have to agree with Jamie though. Um, there's really no like large pieces of dialogue to pick out. There's like just these little, almost like one-liners. Mm-hmm. So I went with Arthur. There is no worse death than the end of hope. Yeah, that was on my short list. Yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely on my short list. There's there's some really great ones. There's some really uh, insightful, you know, ones uh, regarding your know, free will and you know man's responsibility and stuff. But uh, one I always look forward to as I'm watching this movie is is an exchange between uh, Lancelot and Guinevere. You know, as they're on the frozen lake, you know, they're standing there with their bows, and Lancelot says, "You know, do you look frightened?" There's an awful lot of lonely men over there. And she turns to him and says, don't worry, I won't let them rape you. <laughs> and, and his look of like, oh, she, burn, you know, she got me. <laughs> you know, like like this this woman's another level, you know, that, that he's uh, dealing with here. I, I love that interchange. I always, I always smile and look forward to it. I'm going to go with one of the pretentious ones I've made fun of. Um <laughs> It's the only one that really comes off as like, you know, bad butt. Um, so it's when Arthur goes out to meet Serdic, uh, another name I have trouble saying. Um, poor Stalin. Um, but so like, he thinks he's coming through to beg a truce. And he tells me, you should be on your knees. And so Arthur comes back with a pretty tough line. He says, I came to see your face so that I alone may find you on the battlefield. And you would do well to mark my face, Saxon. For the next time you see it, it will be the last thing you see on this earth. Yeah. That's a pretty tough one. I'm like, that's pretty solid right there. And Serdic responds, <laughs> ah, finally, a man worth killing. Worth killing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Solid. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, those were our awards. And, you know, the man worth killing, we have some movies worth drafting. And uh, our draft this week, we're going with... <clears throat> kind of like this movie almost sort of kind of historical (laughs) movies (laughs) so uh, I'm leading off here and guys I'm going to go with another Arthur legend Monty Python and the Holy Grail (laughs) is my almost historic leaning real hard hard (laughs) where did you get the coconuts Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna win this draft. I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. Um, 
This is the. There is a movie that is the reason this movie exists, and it is the movie that this movie actually wants to be. I'm picking Gladiator. Yeah. Ah, there we go. Yep. You're not wrong. All right. Well, um, since Jamie took my Gladiator, um, what I went with is, you know, Jamie, you compared this to stage on screen. It can be done well. And it was in 2019's The King, which was my first introduction to Timothy Chalamet, playing Prince Hal, and all that is based on Shakespeare's um, Henriad, essentially, his his triad of Henry stories. Um, so, and then Joel Edgerton's playing Falstaff in it, so it, it also ties to this. Nice. nice Timothy nice. Chalamet connection this week. Yes. Hmm. I've got two directions I, sh- I can go, guys. I think I'm going to keep with my theme here. And uh, my next one is going to be uh, Mill Brooks's History of the World Part 1. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. That's another keep place we divert. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't find Mill Brooks all that funny. Um, I know that's nerd heresy. Sorry, guys. Um, okay, here we go. Um, now, now I think I'm about to show a weak spot of mine. So, Dwayne, we've done one of yours for about an hour now. Here's one of mine. My second pick is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, I love that movie with a with a completely unjustified adoration. <laughs> I know it's not that great. I love it. That's okay, Jamie. Costner's not attempt at an accent. I mean, the whole deal. I love all of it. <laughs> that was totally on my list also. All right. So, well, if we're going to go with those types of movies, we've had The King, we've had Gladiator, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I've got to go Braveheart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about some jumbled history, though. Yeah. <laughs> that thing's a really? disaster. <laughs> Almost historical, right? <laughs> Very almost. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to bring it back around to Robin Hood, but this time we're going to have the Men in Tots. Glad somebody did it. <laughs> the best Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> oh. Carrie always carries that movie. Carrie carries, yep. Okay, um, my third one is pure troll. Um, we're going King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to watch this now. <laughs> I am myself. I it's think not... I haven't seen it under protest. Just because <laughs> you're such a... <laughs> and I don't defend it as a good movie. I think it's a, as a guy Ritchie made lots of interesting decisions. And it's fun. It's a fun movie. All right. Well, I, I love the fact that outside of the the comedies that that Dwayne has picked, we we've kind of had a, a, a feel to this. So I feel like I need to finish it off with three hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And you may have just stolen the drink. No. <laughs> that was that was that was the steal. That was on my that was on my very short list. If I wouldn't have went, if I wouldn't have just stuck with comedies, that was going to be my number two. <laughs> 
Love that movie. Love that movie. Guys, you want to throw out some honorable mentions here? I got a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a few. Yeah, I've got I've got two left. I think. Go ahead. Okay. Um. You know, uh, man who was you know already featured in Gladiator, one well, Master and Commander. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good one. Yeah. You have yeah, the but... vision in there as well, Paul Bettany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another awesome cast. Yeah. Yep. Very much so. Um, I went with uh, Darkest Hour because we get the chameleon playing Churchill. So, guys, you're missing a classic. Sergeant York, Gary Cooper. Mm. Great oldie. I like it. Forgotten one that I think is sad that it's forgotten. Thirteenth Warrior. Uh huh. Banderas. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that was kind of the, the take on Beowulf. Beowulf. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very much so. Um, let's see. Well, of course, I had to throw Sherlock Holmes in just because it's almost historical. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's Victorian era. It's. <laughs> I really liked Dunkirk. Thought that was a great movie. Yeah. Really interesting use of uh, time. You know, in storytelling. Yeah. Uh, my last one I wanted to highlight was Hero. Love the the Jet movie. movie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All righty. Well, guys, uh, now that we've wrapped up our draft uh, and our review of King Arthur, let's see how this connects to. You know, this movie's been remade a few times. We've got another remake happening pretty soon, The Matrix. So let's see how this connects to our Keanu. Jamie? Okay. I have a prepared statement. A little more prepared than the last couple. I had some time (laughs) on my hands. (laughs) Once Hollywood has a movie that works, it is inevitable that they make the sequel. And if that works, sequels plural until that runs out of steam. Then comes a relatively new innovation, the prequel. We've already reached the bottom of that well with when Harry met Lloyd. But those tend to fall flat, and then Hollywood is done with a franchise, right? Right? Usually. But there is the occasional attempt at a total reboot, and sometimes it even works. 21 Jump Street, anyone? The Italian Job? 1999's The Mummy? But the reboot train is alive and well, and unfortunately may be getting steam. Chips happened. Lethal Weapon became a TV show. Knight Rider got rebooted. So did MacGyver, and even Walker, Texas Ranger. Dukes of Hazard got a movie reboot. Then there is Flatliners. Yes, there was a Flatliners movie that no one saw. A movie that hurts me. They remade Rollerball. Uh, the 2017 Mummy was a thing that should never have happened. And I know what you're thinking. You think I'm heading toward Keanu's remake of The Day After Tomorrow, and you would be wrong. Because Ray Winstone, the bright shining light, the lone bright shining light in this movie... As Boars, well, he made the mistake of taking on the Pappas role in the misguided 2015 remake of Point Break that no one knows exists. <laughs> so, yes, the original, of course, starred our boy Keanu as Johnny Utah. So, Ray Winstone and Point Break are this week's Keanu connection. <gasps> Kaboom. Wow. Did not know that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> no one does. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Don't know what else we could say there, but okay. (laughs) 
they remade Point Break. <laughs> and didn't tell anybody. And then, <laughs> 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 didn't tell anybody. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, guys, I'm, uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, our review uh, uh, talking about the, this movie uh, a lot more than Jamie enjoyed rewatching it. <laughs> So hopefully, uh, you know, this this puts a smile on your face and finds you all well as we're in the midst of the holiday season. Uh, you know, leading up to next week, we have one of Jamie's picks coming up. Jamie, why don't you tell us what you've selected for us this week? Well, first of all, I want to I want to say that this this podcast is living proof of the power of friendship. <laughs> Sammy, Sammy made me watch Flash Gordon and talk about it for an hour. We're still friends. And the Star Wars holiday special. I, I have blocked that out. Don't remind me. <laughs> Don't push it. <laughs> Dwayne and I have been arguing about this movie for almost a decade, and we're still free. It was. <laughs> <laughs> he made me watch it again, and I was mean to a movie he gave an A, and he's still my friend. So yeah, if there's a theme for this episode, it's the power of friendship. It's not whatever nonsense that <laughs> Antoine was pushing at us. Well, we it's are true. the nerds of the round table. That's true. So, um, but my but my pick for next week is it might be my King Arthur. <laughs> I'm fairly certain it's not a great movie. Um, it's Twister. Um, I love this movie. It's not a great movie. Um, it's 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 one of those just fun movies. I think it's a fun '90s action movie. Um, I don't know that it aspires to greatness. I don't think there's anything deep about it. I think we're. I think. I don't think we have a, a single philosophical thing to say next week. I'm afraid it's just going to be like, "Hey, that was fun, wasn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> did you remember when it did that? That was cool. <laughs> uh, or that was dumb. <laughs> you could go that direction too. <laughs> but it. I, an interesting thing about it is like, it's got Bill Paxton playing the straight man. Who does that? Yeah. And why does it work? Um, so yeah. So next week we're watching Twister. Just goes to show you the power of a great actor uh, in, in Bill Paxton. And yeah, this this movie is a ton of fun. I remember it from back in the day. Uh, the you know the cow flying across the uh, the movie screen uh, is a definite definite highlight there. But uh, you can find Twister on HBO Max with a subscription, or Peacock with or without a subscription. You can also rent it on Prime, Voodoo, or Redbox for $3.99. So as we prepare our televisions for the spectacle that is Twister, Jamie. We're going to pretend we can't hear Carrie Elwes' terrible, terrible American accent as we keep it nerdy. Oh,